for a lot of people, we don't behave on, <laughs> there's ironies because we want to plug and play what works on site to this reality. Yet once we get to this reality, we're eating in front of each other. We're not mm-hmm. wearing proper clothes. We're running to the microwave. Yeah, people aren't wearing pants. I don't know why, but anyway, that's okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. People will take themselves off camera and be part of a meeting on mute. So you don't even know they're there. They're not really (laughs) participating or engaging in any way, which I've always said to people, would you behave this way if you were on site? Of course not. Around a boardroom? Right. Just get up out of nowhere with no pants on? (laughs) Go microwave food in front of people and eat in front of people? Because if no is the answer to all of that, then why? Why are we doing that here? Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome back to the Good Life Coach podcast. Today we're talking about improv and how you can use it both in your business and in life. Joining us is Bob Colhan, who's an elite improviser and adjunct professor at both Duke University and Columbia University Business Schools. He's also the founder and CEO of Business Improv, which is a 22-year-old consultancy linking improvisation to business through behavioral sciences. His clients include a who's who of businesses from pharma to manufacturing to aerospace, universities, organizations, and more. And he's also the author of Getting to Yes And, which we will be talking about today as well. Bob has performed at Second City in Chicago and was mentored by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and performed alongside well-known actors like Jason Sudeikis. And he's going to, in addition to giving us the best lesson he learned from Tina Fey, also just really help us understand how improv is a powerful tool to connect you to others, to improve communication and understanding with one another. My understanding of it was that it was really based on comedy. And I think what you'll find from this conversation and Bob's work is that it's such a powerful tool beyond that. And the skill sets that you can learn from improv really can translate into all areas of your life. The show notes for today can be found at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash 137. So on that note, let's get into the show. Here we go. Hey, Bob, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Michelle, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. I've been intrigued with improv. And actually, I was looking into classes before COVID hit. So it's sort of ironic that, you know, here we are now talking about it. And maybe I have an opportunity to get back into the idea of taking a class. And this is your sweet spot. I mean, 22 years of having your own business. Uh, teaching business improv and teaching, you know, as an adjunct professor. So you are the expert. So let's start with a good foundation though. What is improv? You, you tell us in your words. Well, 
Oh, it's a great question because it means something different to a, a number of different people. So if you speak about like the art of improvisation, that's a little different than how we apply it in business improv. Yeah. So I'll focus solely on the application of improv techniques as they relate to communication, collaboration, leadership, networking, etc. And improv to us then as unique definition in business improv is on three core competencies, which is reacting, adapting, and communicating. So if you start breaking each one of those down, reacting one is ongoing. It's not a reaction. That you know, that's kind of a one-off. Reacting takes place over time. And if it's ongoing within parameters or to achieve a specific outcome, you're adapting as well. So it's reacting and adapting. Think like a strategy to things outside of our control over the last year and a half. Totally. Or even a collaborative conversation with somebody. You know, we're reacting and adapting. And that brings us to the, the third uh, component of this, which is communicating. We're not in space. We're not in a vacuum. There's always someone with whom we can react and adapt or something in our environment to which we should react and adapt. So that's the core skill set that we focus on in business improv and how we define improvisation. So do most people, and, and maybe myself included, think of improv as comedy-based versus, you know, what you do is so specific, and I wasn't familiar with it until we connected. Yeah, that easily. Comedy is the most common association, and you can go back to now how it's used in Hollywood and, and in the industry, yeah. the great TV shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway, all the great comedy clubs, which hopefully will open up very soon around the globe. That's one it is easily the most common association. And other people, though, have the connotation that improvisation is what happens when everything else goes wrong. When your plan A and B and C, all your contingency plans start falling apart, then you have to improvise. And that really discredits the skill set needed to improvise at a very high level, let alone how to do it you know, effectively at a, just a base level as well. And so a part of our... I think challenge overall is re-educating people that when they look at a comedy club and think improvisation, that's correct if they're improvising in the comedy club. Also, though, when you look at elite chefs in cooking competitions, you know, if anybody watches Top Chef, they have a, a, a whole episode called improvisation and have year after year after year. If yeah. you think about musicians, they improvise some specifically like in jazz or you think about special forces you know, that what they call uh, problem solving is what happens in real time after all of the training is in place and all the contingency plans and the strategy is there. And then what happens when truly the excrement's hitting the oscillator in real time? And then how are they communicating, collaborating with each other? How are they learning and adapting in real time? And how does agility play a part of that? And so really, once you start looking at how you direct the improvisation, that's truly where the definition starts really carrying more weight. But so is there a specific skill set from reading your book, getting to yes and the name of your book? Um, I got the sense that there's, in fact, a skill set used when someone is doing improv. It's not so, uh, you know, random like most of us think it is. Right. There's 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 an art to that. I think you even say that it's intelligence meets instinct. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. And it's a learned skill set. And as a learned skill set, you can get stronger at it or you can get weaker at it as well if you don't practice it. You know, it's, it's very much 
has its own ebbs and flows. And if you just take it for granted and say, well, I'm, I, this is what's going to happen. This is the best I could do in this moment based on these circumstances. And you hear me being, becoming dismissive of it because it is. Yes. It's what most people just think of like, what's well, the best I could do in the moment as opposed to saying, what skill set was I using in the moment and how do I get better at that if for no other reason for myself, let alone a competitive advantage from all the other people who aren't even thinking about how to bulk up, how to react, adapt, communicate in real time. Because the extension of those three components really turns into collaboration. It turns into relationship building. It turns into the ability to create a cohesive team or psychological safety. You know, it continues on and on and on, just a, a core skill set related toward improvisation. And it's something that all of us need to do every day anyway. So right. why not figure out how to get better at it? It's true. I mean, when you talked about reacting, adapting, and communicating, that's pretty much in every scenario of our lives. <laughs> yeah. The question right? isn't, do you need to do it? The question, the question is, how do you get better at doing it? How do you get better at doing it? And when you were talking about it, I was thinking about some examples in your book, but also, you know, whether you're preparing for a presentation or a networking event or, you know, your Twitter, as you, you talked about having your one 160, was it characters, you know, being able to explain what it is that you do, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff actually is taking thought and, and intelligence and uh, care into what you're putting out in the world. It's not so random, like the way we, uh, you know, that we may associate improv with being. Yeah, absolutely. So if you take something like the Twitter bio, uh, yeah. 160 characters, or what you know most executives or, or professionals think about as an elevator pitch. Yes. You know, that's a that's a reduction, right? In the spirit of cooking, liquid to a something sticky, a sauce. Yeah. And if you are really comfortable with this skill set around improvisation, then you have your your elevator pitch or your log line if it's in the 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 entertainment industry or your Twitter bio, however you want to frame it, this short, catchy, sticky little something that's going to get people interested in you or what you're bringing to the table. You use this skill set with improv and you adapt it from person to person based on what you're learning from somebody else. You take this networking event that you mentioned before or the ability to network. Yeah. And a lot of people think that networking is exchanging cards or sales or I, I got to get something from you or I have to show you what I can give to you as opposed to how we look at it, which is relationship building. Let's, 100%. Let's, let's build this relationship quick. Let's make it meaningful. After the night's done and you've talked to a lot of other people and consumed several glasses of wine, I want to be the person that just sticks in the back of your head. I want to be the person that you're like, I'm going to save this card. I want to talk to Bob again or somebody from Business Improv. And that means that you take your base knowledge, your training, you know, the, the reduction, you know your elevator pitch, you know it inside and out, and then you can change it from person to person based on little gifts and offers and opportunities that they're giving you just by talking with you. Yeah. And then you show that you're listening to them as well, right? And it's yeah. a basic human desire to be understood, totally. or at least believe that we're being understood. So even in these short, like a networking event, opportunities to get together again, and this transcends proximity, it transcends medium. I'm, you can use this on the phone. You can use this. Interesting. The Zooms or any of the, the social mediums that we have out here, and definitely use it in person. You tweak this base so that it's meaningful, impactful to essentially your audience on her or his own terms. Yeah, it seems like active listening is essential, right? Yeah, I was going to give you. I was going to give you that old joke of what? Huh? <laughs> I mean, if you're thinking about what you're going to say, 
instead of connecting with the human being in front of you or on the phone, then you've already, you've already kind of missed a good, a good beginning, right? An opportunity at the very least. That's, that's a basic human communication pitfall, really, that we just start thinking about what we're going to say next, as opposed to closing the dictionary, closing the thesaurus, just letting our natural intelligence come to the surface, take the pressure off of this and just say, I'm an intelligent individual. All I have to do is have a conversation. And ultimately, you can have the best conversation and they might not want to talk to you again. And you just have to kind of yeah. develop that that skin, the alligator skin of, all right, well, if that's not a good fit, there's a reason why it's not a good fit. So let's find someone with whom it is a good fit. And that comes from listening. It comes from understanding and focus. It comes from empathy. Mm. You know, yeah. it comes from vulnerability, not having all the right answers, not needing to square peg and round hole a situation so that I'm forcing something on you that I can see that you don't want. Yes. You know, using your spidey senses to say like, uh, okay, you, you have something else either you want to talk about or you just don't want to talk to me right now, maybe, because I, yeah. I don't think I did anything to offend you at this point. I just said hi. Right. So, or somebody's looking over your shoulder because they see somebody they want to talk to. I think we've yes. all been in those oh, ne- yeah. business networking events. You're like, okay. I did read something once that uh, is body language a part of the improv, Bob? Because I d- it must be. Okay, you're shaking your head. I want you to talk about this. But I read something where they said, like, look at the people's feet. And if they're pointing away from you, not towards you, then, <laughs> then they actually want to leave. I don't know if you've, if you've ever heard that. I, no, <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> you can and you know what just went on my head? I would change my feet as well just to mirror that person. <laughs> I'm like, where are you going? I'm going I'm to go with you. <laughs> you going that way? I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. me too. Where yeah. are you going? Bathroom? All right, that sounds good. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I really do embrace whole body listening. So... Yeah. The way I'm going to describe this is let's go to improv and then I'll, we'll link it to business or, you know, more professional settings. Yeah. Uh, improvisers, if you've ever seen an improv stage before, it's blank. It's chairs. That's what you have on an improv stage. Uh-huh. And I'm talking about, it's been, and I'll go, I'm Chicago trained improviser. So we look for really organic improv. Don't repeat character. Don't repeat uh, scenes. You know, you want it to be 100% organically created in front of the audience 100% of the time to the best of your ability. So you start with just chairs on stage and then the other improvisers. They're, they're important as well. And so this means every little thing that an improviser does on stage is a gift. It's an offer. It's an opportunity. You don't have to accept every gift. You don't have to jump on every opportunity, yet they're presenting something. And so you really have to pay attention to everything from foot position to uh, spine, posture, from mask, you know, facial expression, um, intonation. You know, we can add the vocal part of this to it as well. If you take that same skill set then and apply it to something where you're not in front of 200 people, you know, and they're expecting to laugh because this is their escape, this is their night out, their date night or whatever it might be. And now it's, uh, I'm not to suggest that a, a networking event is easier or harder. It's just very different because it's typically not in front of 200 people. You're like small group conversations. Yeah, You apply that skill set off out in that situation and you're looking at eyes, you're looking at facial expression. You're looking at the the body language, the full body language. What's the spine doing? What are their hands doing? Are they tapping? Are they fidgeting with their phone? Are they distracted? Are they looking over your shoulder? I don't know about the feet so much. I've never heard that before. And I can't say I've ever looked at somebody's feet unless I'm like, oh, nice shoes. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, I, I think if it's... 
I think there's an opportunity to learn from so much of what a person does just on the physical level, just the study of human character. And then once you start adding the vocal inflection or speed or, or intonation, whatever it might be, the ebbs and flows, the dynamics of personality, then really the game changes even more. Yeah. What have you found with everyone going on Zoom and connecting, you know, by virtually now instead of in person, although we'll be going back to that. What, what did you find based on, you know, all your work that you do? Anything that you noticed people had a hard time with? Yes. Yeah. So we've, uh, I, I'm going to qualify here to say, and you and I've talked about this before, business improv started going virtual in 2010. Mm-hmm. And we Your company, started to, just to be specific, um, to yes. clarify, business improv being Bob's company. Yes. Yeah, that's a specific company. It's not yes. an adjective right. to describe it. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I'm just Thank clarifying. you. No, no, yes. I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So my company, Business Improv, uh, started going virtual in 2010. We started delivering in 2017. So we've had four years of this. And so in before the pandemic, it was one thing. And during the pandemic, it's something else. And it's it's built off of the one thing, which is people just are not comfortable in this medium. And the way that I keep using the, the term medium to describe this, we feel is accurate because this is a specific way to communicate with each other. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, though, uh, are taking a plug and play mentality. What worked on site will just work naturally here. And it doesn't. No. And I'll very quickly say, do you act 100% the same way on site than you do on a phone call? No. No. So why are we trying to do the same thing here? Right. So we're missing that adaptability aspect of this. And so there's a huge lack of comfort. Now, the Zoom fatigue is going to play a part of this as well. I want to focus solely on the comfort, though, because the comfort can you could start unpacking a lot of different ways. We're inviting people into our homes. Totally. In many circumstances. Yeah. And that's not comfortable for a lot of people. No. Being on camera is not something that's comfortable for a lot of people. We get drawn to just our, our own <laughs> physicality. Or what are we doing? Totally. We right. I'm not going to look at you, Bob. I'm going to look at myself and play with right. my hair right now. Yeah. yeah. Instead, of, instead of like, right. well, I see me every day. <laughs> I already know what I'm about. Right. So right. instead of doing something similar like turning off the camera, you know, you don't have to, we don't have to, all, all of the Teams, uh, Blue Jeans, WebEx, Zoom, all of them have a function of turning the self view off. Yeah. And most people just don't do that. So until you get good at just ignoring yourself and understanding that it is still about the other person and also working the camera. That's something a lot of other people don't know how to do yeah. that. They're not comfortable yeah. looking at the green dot, the red dot. And it's just, just like improvisation is a learned skill set. Using this medium is a learned skill set. Yeah. And a year into it for a variety of reasons, you know, including just stress, uh, anxiety, you know, just emotional turmoil. We haven't embraced this. Many people that I've seen a year plus into this are like, yeah, I'm really going to be the best I can at communicating, collaborating, building relationships through this specific medium. And whatever skill set I'm working on, which should be people, the people yeah. skill set, yeah. the human connection skill set, yeah. should be immediately applied on site at a core level, you know, removing the technology. And so there's where I see the struggle taking place that I, I think and some as well are just waiting for this to be over. And the reality is, though I hope the pandemic's over very soon, this will be a way we communicate going forward. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of people who are going to still keep some sort of hybrid model, a couple days mm-hmm. in the office, a couple days at home, you know, not sure how they're going to actually return to the work environment. 
And, you know, I, it seems to me that environment does play a factor into what you're talking about. Human connection, when you're in front of somebody or you're in a conference room and you're all sitting around an oval table and you're looking at each other is one thing. There's less distraction. You're not looking maybe at dirty dishes in your sink while you're supposed to be focused on, you know, Q4 sales report or whatever it might be, right? And so, or whatever, you know, however it might look. So that environment obviously plays a big factor in all this. And it's interesting because you're standing, my husband stands all day at work. So all his Zoom calls, you're limb, you know, you're limber, you're, and I'm sitting, which, you know, even that creates a different energy, right? Because I'm yes. sitting and you're standing. So your energy kind of can flow a little bit more freely. Like if I stood up now, but I, this is how my Zoom is set up and I, I can't, I can't stand up right now. Um, so can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So for most people, and I'll, I'll just pose this as a question uh, for you to answer, what happens to your energy when you sit down? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm definitely very relaxed, but my legs are crossed. I mean, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact this may go onto YouTube and I'm like, oh, maybe I should be sitting up. Oh, am I slouching now? Oh, my hair keeps going in my eye. You know, you're, <laughs> so all these distractions come into play, which wouldn't be there if there wasn't a camera right. in, on right now recording us for yes. me specifically. Like, so if I uncross my legs, I feel a little bit more relaxed. You know what I mean? I'm aware of the microphone. There's just a lot of different factors at play uh, as the host of the show and wanting to have good sound quality and good, you know, when this goes out, a good good experience for somebody on YouTube too. And I am very much aware of the fact that if I looked at the green light, I actually would not be looking at you and then I wouldn't be able to read your body language. So I choose to look at the guest and skip the light because yes. I care more about a connection than I do about looking good, like that I'm looking in the right place. Maybe that's wrong. Uh, no, I, here's, here's what I say about this. And uh, I start with um, the fact that it has to be your comfort. It's got to be something that you're comfortable with because we're looking for authenticity ultimately. And if you're not comfortable with it, then how are you going to be authentic with this? Yeah. And so that human connection is going to come not from always hitting the green dot or the red dot when you're right. supposed to hit it. It's knowing yeah. when to look away. Right. And ultimately, for a lot of people, we don't behave. On, <laughs> there's ironies because we want to plug and play what works on site to this reality. Yet once we get to this reality, we're eating in front of each other. We're not yeah. wearing proper clothes. Yeah, we're people aren't wearing the pants. Microwave. I don't know why, but anyway, right. that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. People will take themselves off camera and be part of a meeting on mute. So you don't even know they're there. They're not really <laughs> participating or engaging in any way, which I've always said to people, would you behave this way? If you were on site, of course in, not. Around a boardroom, right. you just get up out of nowhere with no pants on, <laughs> go microwave food in front of people, and eat in front of people. Because if no is the answer to all of that, then why? Why are we doing that here? You know, so it has to come from comfort. So for Michelle, for you to say, I'm more comfortable looking at Bob, I can see you're not multitasking. I can see that you're fully engaged. You're fully present. We're having a, a very strong connection in our conversation. So that works just the same as no, finding comfort hitting the dot. Yeah. You know, are you hitting the dot when you're talking to me? I didn't mean to interrupt. Are you hitting the dot? I, I try to hit the dot. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'll come in close, but what, what, what? And especially right, right. when I'm teaching workshops, I play with my environment. I play with dimension. I play yeah. with proximity to the camera. I work it from a lot of different angles. Now the energy thing, which is where this started from though, is yeah. an interesting one because for most people, when we sit down, our energy decreases gravity, 
gravity works and the chair becomes a vacuum. And once you start getting into more and more comfortable seated situations, yeah. or for some yeah. horizontal, you know, you start leaning back 45 degree angles. Yeah, now, yeah. now we're completely horizontal. And I have taught people business improv programs while they're in bed. They're like, it's like laying on <laughs> What do you think is going to happen to your energy when you're in a rocker recliner or a sofa or on your bed? You know, those are more, they're designed for comfort. So that vacuum becomes stronger and stronger. So really, and this is this is actually important for both on-site engagements as well as engagements through the phone or this medium. Do something about your energy. You know, a little something before the engagement, especially if you're going to have to be on point for this. Some kind of warm up. You know, what put some music on that gets you in the right zone. Take a take a shower, hot shower, cold shower, whatever it is, so that you're not coming in after like checking emails right away and phone calls right away. And you're doing back to backs and you're just sliding into something that could be important to you, as if you were late late for this thing. You know, you're frantic. You know, come in with the right in the zone headspace and physical space for that matter as well, because energy begets energy, and this will happen for ourselves that we can feed off of our own energy and get more and more energized, yes. and we can feed off of other people who have energy. And you know, I don't, I feel tired today. I know you're bringing some energy, and all of a sudden I'm feeding off of you, and it becomes kinetic. And yeah. now we're not thinking about it. It's just a, a conversation. And once again, I can't stress, regardless of proximity or medium. Yeah. No, this is so fun. This is so interesting. Now I have to ask you, because you performed at Second City in Chicago and in your book, it, oh, it just casually mentor, mentions, I was mentored by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And I thought, oh, I didn't know that about Bob. That's really interesting. And you performed alongside Jason Sudeikis and Seth Meyer. I love those guys. I think they're so talented. Um, anything from that experience, from your time? I mean, you have your own improv group that does do the comedic piece, right? I mean, yeah. you don't just do the business side, um, but any fun story to share, any experience that we could maybe use your experience to translate into our own lives in a positive way? I mean, that's kind of a big question, but I'll let you take that in as an improv expert. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to, and you may have actually read this in the book, something that Tina said to me. So uh, this was early in my career, uh, it's, I want to say 95 probably. And I'm just, I'm hot to trot. You know, I'm running and gunning. I'm playing with a lot of great people who are way better than me. And, you know, that's given me a lot of confidence because, you know, you want to play with people better than you or at the very least at your caliber. And mm -hmm. so I'm having a lot of opportunity. And in this, there's, I think, a moment that I just kind of slipped from being the person who I want to be and, uh, the performer I wanted to be and and turned into like, I want the laughs. I'm hungry for the laughs. I'm hungry for the spotlight. I'm hungry for this and that. And I was railroading people. I was just like stepping on toes. And I did this for a couple of shows and she kindly pulled me aside a couple <laughs> of shows. And then maybe I don't, and I'm going to say three, just, you know, good rule of threes. Uh, after that last, the third show, she pulled me aside and gave me a harder note, which is your next show. Do not be funny. Do not be clever. Do not be creative. Do everything you can to make everybody else look good. Support mm. everybody else more than you're going to push any of your own agenda. And that's become a major driving force because that is the type of person I thought I was uh, as a person and a performer. And it's certainly the person I want to be. And so that's been front and center of like, it's, I'll, I'll be great by making everybody else look better, do what I can. I mean, everybody, I'm fortunate that I play with a lot of great people. So it's not like that. It's like if they need to sit down and there's no chair, be the chair. 
if, if, if they're going to do a trust ball, be the first person to catch them before they hit the ground. Because nobody on a stage is going to be like, I'm going to faint right now. No, if you're playing the character, you're like, ah, you're going down. And you're like, so you have to be 100% present and engaged 100% of the time because somebody could get hurt if you're not. And you're playing at that elite level. And so that focus on really making everybody else look good, sacrificing my own ideas to elevate somebody else's ideas has not only become front and center uh, for the way I want to conduct myself, it's really become a part of who we are in business improv. Because the reality is, Michelle, if I do everything I can to make you look good, and and let's say, what, what's your husband's name? Steve. Steve. And I do everything I can to make Steve look good. And Steve does everything he can to make you look good and me look good. And you're doing everything you can to make Steve look good and me look good. Then it's not about Steve's idea and Michelle's idea and my idea. It's about our idea. This idea that the team is more important than any one person. The idea that the process is more important than any one person. The product is more important than any one person. And what we find from this is that the collective intelligence of the group is going to be far greater than any individual. The collective consciousness of the group is going to be greater than any individual. And this, for me, always falls back on that old adage, the worst idea with great support will go much further than the best idea with no support. Mm. And so this unconditional support is not supporting bad ideas and elevating them to the surface. It's saying we're all going to have clunker ideas. We're all going to have good ideas sometimes. Let's figure out together which are the best ideas. And let's focus on supporting those best ideas. Because otherwise, it's going to be the worst idea that has the most volume behind it that's going to elevate to the surface as opposed to the truly best idea that we can all push to the top together. And such a profound, uh, now I'm losing my train of thought, but not, it's just such a great example of how we should all be. And it's interesting because I think having worked in corporate for so long, it's oftentimes the loudest voice. So maybe you are going for the laughs or it's the person who brings in the most business, but maybe, you know, the team has a better idea or a different idea that sometimes does get drowned out. And so I think that's an important lesson that we can all think about, and even just in our lives with our friends, right? Yeah. Yes. Listen more than you talk, be the person, you know, that somebody can lean on, support them, champion them, get rid of, you know, the, not, the little petty stuff that sometimes people do in these, you know, relationships, you know, see somebody else's success as your own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it takes that do on to others type of mentality. And for me, uh, makes it much more tangible because it's something that you can explain to everybody else. Because otherwise, that concept of do, treat others like you want to be treated yes. is a great concept. It's also pretty vague. Yes. And so this really, for me, is like it's like that on steroids. It's like, oh, now we've juiced it up, and we have a central focus, and that focuses on you. Yeah. And you're focusing on me, and we're focusing on everybody else as well. Yeah. And then all these ideas that come out, like I said, there, it, there's – opportunity and possibility and potential in so much. And so those gifts, those offers, doesn't mean that you have to take every idea and right. run with it. Right, it just right. means, like you said, postpone judgment enough to hear it, yeah. to consider it yeah. before you say no to it or you, before you run with it. Yeah. And then especially if you have that power of collective consciousness, group, team, you know, not group think. Yes. That's different. We're not talking about group things. We're celebrating unique perspectives. We're celebrating diversity of perspectives and thought. You know, we're saying everybody be authentic, be yourself, bring that to the table, and let's make a clear distinction between individual perspective, which is what we want to celebrate, and individual agenda, which is where we're going to go. 
I love it. That's what the whole world needs right now. I, I, I think the world would be a much better place if everybody took just a little bit of improv. Yeah. What you said literally gave me goosebumps for real. I was like, wow, that's really beautiful. And it's, you know, cause we're feeling the divide so much right now in so many different ways and having, being your authentic self is almost, it seems like there's so much of a focus on having everybody be in that group think and fit into where I feel comfortable because I'm, you're making me uncomfortable. There's a lot of that going around. Absolutely. And we of course start falling into like a conformity bias or, you know, that group think mentality where we only want to support thought based on how other people are supporting our thought. And we just, we lose perspective. We lose the opportunity to try new things, Mm -hmm. to develop new relationships. Yeah. And that to me is not only dangerous, it's sad. It is sad. It is sad. And I feel like we teach our kids to maintain, or we try to encourage them to maintain who they are and what's special about them. (laughs) Yet as adults, we're, you know, shaming one another for having any thought that maybe doesn't coincide with someone else. It's the cancel culture. That if you don't agree with me, I'm going to cancel you. As opposed to saying, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with you and try to understand why you think this way that I so vehemently disagree with. And look at, in the spirit of a Venn diagram, what's the overlap? What is that common area that we have so that if we truly continue to disagree, we don't have to be disagreeable with each other. Mm, I love that. We can still say, all right, we're on opposite sides of this fence. You're the Hatfields, I'm the McCoys, or the Montagues and Capulets or whatever. We're never really going to get along, yet that doesn't mean we have to be at war with each other. 100%. Completely. Now, your book is Getting to Yes and. What does that mean, Bob? What is that? All right, so the book Getting to Yes is you know, a pretty popular <laughs> negotiation book, Bill Urey. Let's tip the hat really where this, uh, this title came from. <laughs> yes and, though, is the cornerstone of improvisation around the globe. It is building block number one, and it has to be. So it means something, yes and means something differently, different comedically or theatrically than the way you, we use it in business improv. Okay. Comedically, a lot of people will say yes is agreement, and the and then is building on what somebody else says. Yes. And that's fine if you're talking about ideation or really performing improvisation. The reality, though, is especially if you're a solid improviser, it's not used the same way with veteran improvisers. And so the way that we define it in business improv, yes does not mean agreement. Yes does not mean I agree with you. Yes does not mean I'm going to execute a bad idea. Yes means I hear you. Mm. Yes means I'm trying to understand what you're saying. Yes means I'm present. I'm focusing on you. And I understand that you're bringing this to me right now. And then is the bridge to what you do with it. Mm. And is the bridge to the agreement or disagreement. And is the bridge to your knowledge, you, your, your passion, your voice, your vision, your drive, your authenticity. So more than anything, then yes becomes thoughtfulness. Yes is you have my undivided attention right now. And is the bridge to how you're thoughtful, how you're present, how you're in the moment. Love it. Instead of no, but, which is really where people default to. Yeah. Well, here's something uh, or yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Yes. But no, but those are the quick defaults. Right. Or just no. Or Especially just no. if you rise in rank, rank. Once you rise in rank and status, the default is no, no. or a correction of some kind. And I mean, it just shuts. Yeah. Sorry. It just shuts down com, uh, communication though. There. That's a, that's it. Communication stopped there. Right? Absolutely. Cause but's a trigger word. 
right? Now somebody's on the defensive and then they're not listening anymore. And the other person wants to defend their side. And so the communication breaks down. That's it for the, yeah. the extreme majority. I mean, there's certainly uh, needles to thread with this. Yeah. And for me, the way to thread the needles is all about context, situation, relationship. You know, if you really de- develop that properly, great relationships, you can call your best friend up on the phone and use any language you want, right? And your, your right. friend is going to understand. Your friend is going to connect with you and engage with you. And a lot of us think we've developed relationships correctly and haven't. Especially with missing like this, with the, one of the challenges with operating through just a phone or these social platforms here yes. is that social interaction, that just right. elbow time with each other, that yes. opportunity to grab a drink or go for a walk, have a cup right. of coffee, eat dinner together. You know, we everything has to be scheduled here. And so using something simple, because all we're talking about is framing of language, yes and versus yes but, yes. it becomes very, very important in this these short bites that we have through Zoom, for example. We have an hour together that, okay, what's the framing of the language that will either make you want to think about me or subconsciously it just kind of sticks in your head or you forget about me and you don't remember the language at all. Now, what are all these like little nudge factors that we can use as well in place to influence somebody else? The framing of language, though, is simple, and that makes it hard, because most of us over time have just fallen into the habit of yes, but. It's we true. think it's the same thing as yes, and. And go back to Schoolhouse Rock. Go back to conjunction, junction, what's, what's my your function? function? Yeah. yeah, exactly. What's your function? What's my function? I don't even know yeah. my function, so yeah, yeah, what's yeah. that function? What's your we break it down to the letter. What is and? What is but? And they will show you very clearly that but negates what's said before it. It's not this but that. And right. so we learn this, and then our teachers don't teach us properly, and we just kind of like morph the language and pretend like it doesn't make a difference. And the reality is, in that spirit of the behavioral sciences, but's a trigger word. It will consciously or subconsciously set people off into thinking that we have to do a point-counterpoint with each other, or I have to argue, or I have to change your mind, or whatever it might be. And it's it's abrasive to a lot of people. Yeah, and it's what you said. People just want to be heard, and they want to be seen. So, and is an invitation, but is a kind of just like a strong, you know, it's a period. The end, stop. Yeah, Yeah, or negation. A negation, like you said, right. And then somebody's going on the defensive and now nobody's seeing or hearing each other. So that's yes. not good in business or per- personally or personally. No, no, no. Um, so what can we learn? So most of us will be heading back out in the world again. Not everyone here who listens uh, is in a, in a business setting, but regardless whether it's for personal reasons, getting together with friends or for business reasons, uh, networking, connecting, meeting new people, getting to, you know, re-engage in the world, any skills we can take from improv to re-engage in a way that feels good? So here's a couple of things. One, I cannot stress, and I mean, I wrote a whole book on yes and. So of course, you know, that's going to be the go-to because it really is, you know, you've been thumbing through the book. It's a Swiss army knife. A lot of people just think it's just this brainstorming tool and it's not. It's a really effective, powerful two-word combination. So I would say cling to that. <laughs> you know, Let's just start with this one. Right. The next part of that, the extension, is postpone judgment. Because yes and is a great technique for postponing judgment. It doesn't yes. mean abandon judgment. Yes. It just means I'm going to deliberately, strategically 
defer judgment. I'm going to push it off to another period of time. Mm -hmm. So as we're going into these situations, especially as it comes to something like anxiety or like a networking event of being around a lot of people, some mass, some not mass. Do you, did you get vaccinated? Didn't you get vaccinated? Can I shake hands? Can Can I I shake shake hands? hands? Yeah. Right. Uh, I would also say, uh, you know, like now, I, I guess, confusing situations in the spirit of scuba diving, stay within your comfort zone. You know, let's, let's do that as well. Right, right. Nobody, nobody has a right to judge you for anything right now. Right. I told this to my wife. I'm like, I don't care if I'm the only person with a mask right now in a, an event like this. If I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to wear my mask. And if anybody has something bad to say about it, they're probably not going to say it to my face. Right. So, you know, unless right. they have a bunch of beer in their belly, right, in which right. case they'll be like, great, fantastic. Everyone uh, needs to feel comfortable. I yeah. 100% agree with that. 100%. Yes. So in that, you know, starting with the base of really uh, feel comfortable, stay within your limits, use yes and a postpone judgment of the situation, postpone judgment of yourself in, in that spirit of feeling uncomfortable or, or feeling comfortable. Give yourself that permission to be like, I'm just going to handle this the way that I need to handle this right now. Because the last thing we need is a uh, anxiety attack in, in our hotel room because it was just so overwhelming. Well, if it's overwhelming, peel out. It's, it's yeah, everything's going to be good. okay. It's yeah. all going to be okay. Yeah. And I would say in that same spirit, um, there's a phrase, think slow to move fast, which you learned really early on in Chicago improv, just slow the brain down, be present, be in the moment and don't get caught up in essentially what could easily be a riptide pulling you out to an emotional sea or a sea of people, you know, physical, whatever it might be. Understand there's no riptide. You could easily just step out of this. So slowing down allows you to audit your own behavior, be aware of, of where, what you're feeling and how you're feeling it in real time. So that emotionally intelligent part of who we all are, recognizing that in other people as well. And, you know, you could be that in that spirit of make somebody else look good. You could be that lifeline that somebody else needs as they're being sucked out in an invisible riptide into what they think they're supposed to be behaving from conformity pressure, right? The peer pressure of everybody else doing something one way or another way and they're just feeling uncomfortable. You could be that person like, let's step out of this. Let's go for what you don't have to be here right now. I don't have to be here for right now. You know, there's a little nook in the corner. We could stay three feet away from each other, have a glass of wine or go for a walk outside. You know, a little rain never hurt anybody. I I won't melt anyway. (laughs) I don't have. No, it's true. And I guess when I'm thinking about going out in the world, I wasn't even thinking about whether that included mask on or off, because like you said, somebody might have a little kid at home and they're vaccinated or not, whatever it is. Right. And so they don't, they're worried about their children and, you know, there's just still, we're not out of it yet, but just being able to take into consideration what you talked about, all of those are great tips and and allowing yourself some permission and some grace and some compassion for however it is and allowing you to connect in a way that feels good to you. Right. Absolutely. If somebody was thinking like, wow, you know, I'd love to take improv or whatever, what, you know, why, why should somebody even, you said everyone should know it. I think it seems super interesting. Give us your, your reasoning. All right. At a core level, just learning improvisation. Improvisation at its core is a communication and collaboration-based art form. So even if you're just learning basic communication, you're learning a a really great skill set at really how to play nice in a sandbox, how to get along with each other. And everything that you mentioned before, if you're going to communicate, it is listening. It's active listening. It's focus. It's concentration. It's presence. It's engagement. If you're collaborating, it's postponement of judgment. It's flexibility and agility and the ability to not only bring ideas to the table, the ability to 
leave your ideas behind when somebody else brings their idea to the table or sees a common idea that's built in the moment of uh, uh, you know one common solution going forward. And it just has so many great aspects of of how we can play together, how we can communicate with each other. So I would say when it's time, if anybody's out there wanting to take an improv class, there's a lot of great improv houses that are going to be opening up again, hopefully soon. And so you support local theater, support live theater, support those improv houses. Um, and if uh, people are not comfortable doing that, then of course, you know, I have an ASIC program. So. Right. That's right. <laughs> Actually, you know what? And I know, me. Yeah. Well, why don't you, I know you have a, an amazing deal for my audience and just, for clarity for my audience, whatever, it's, I'm, it's not an affiliate thing. You were just said, hey, I'd love to offer this. So go for it. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was tiptoeing in it. I'm like, ah, I yeah, no, it. I mention know. it. Of course. <laughs> I, it's a great deal. Thanks, Michelle. Uh, so the program is Improvisational Communication, and that's on Teachable. And when you go through Improvisational Communication and you download the worksheets and actually you know, use the worksheets for self-improvement, personal and professional development, you will walk out of our program with a tangible action plan that says, this is how I will use these business improv tools and techniques for communication, collaboration, creativity, dealing with change, dealing with conflict, and ultimately creating a culture, something sustainable. This is how I can continue to use these tools and techniques going forward. So with improvisational communication, which is on Teachable, I think our coupon code out there is 50% off. Yeah. which turns this into from a $249 program to, I think, a $124, I yeah. think is what, what was sent to you. Yeah, that's what your team sent. I'll link it up in the show notes so people will be able to find it at thegoodlifecoach.com. It'll be forward slash 137 for today's interview. And they can check that out and learn more about it. I'll, I'll for sure link that. And I mean, I'm likely going to take it because I've always wanted to learn more about it. It just seems like such a powerful tool. And it's interesting. And I've really appreciated this conversation because I think my understanding and hopefully what people have taken away from it is that the applications of it are so much broader than something to make you laugh. This is in fact a communication tool. It, it requires thoughtfulness, presence, good listening, like all these amazing skills that we all need to bring both to our personal and professional lives. So where can I direct them? If I want to link your website, where do I send them, Bob? Businessimprov.com. Perfect. Um, thank you so much. This has been a total blast. I've loved this conversation so much. Me too, Michelle. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I hope everyone out there is safe and has an easy transition to wherever we're, go we're going next. 100% to that. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.